Welcome everybody to Wolf Sheep. I am Luis Cavedo. I'm Matthew Walker. And we are joined this week by special guest. George Darling. Uh, the audio quality is going to be a bit different this week, uh, obviously, if you can't tell yet. The mics were not working. This is our first time trying to record with uh, three mics, and it took me over an hour to try to figure out how to get that going, and that didn't work. So we're going to just use the good old internal mic and hope we don't frustrate you to next week. Uh, George, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, your age, marital status, all that good stuff. Yeah, um, I am 28. I am a pastor at Illuminate Church uh, right now, living here in Central Florida, more specifically Davenport. Um, I was born and raised in St. Petersburg, Florida, so I've kind of always been born and raised here. And uh, yeah, been a, been a huge part of the church that we all attend. So Yeah, we've known... Uh... To varying degrees, because I've, what I when I served at the youth group, it was always middle school, and I don't think I ever had you while you were in middle school. I might have had you maybe once a semester, but I can't quite remember. But I always knew your face, and I knew you from from being in the high school. Uh, and Matthew, you've known George probably much better and longer because you served at the high school youth group level. True story. Uh, well, this week's topic. Uh, we got there through conversation between you guys, Matthew and, and George, and uh, you guys want to introduce the topic a little bit. Uh, you came about to picking it. Go ahead. Yeah. I'll fill in the gaps. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, as we were talking about topics, um, for me recently, because I work for a church, mm -hmm. is uh, you kind of have the question of how do we get people more involved, um, not just to... It's not to make our jobs easier as staff at a church, but more of how do we equip people and give them the opportunity to be able to live out uh, their calling. And so um, it's been a struggle, I would say, for me and for some of the staff here at our church. And mm -hmm. so that's been a question we've been asking one another and talking with Matthew, just kind of was like, well, hey, like I would love to talk with you guys, see what you think as someone who belongs to the church mm -hmm. um, and then as someone else who has not only belongs to church, but has his own ministry outside of the church, right. which is kind of what does that look like? So, right, yeah, and the uh, I, I think that I experienced it last Monday. It's like there are three or four people in my group that I teach at my ministry. There's three or four people that are really there for the right reasons, and mm -hmm. then there are four or five others that did just deer in the headlights. You wonder why they even show up, you know, and and they're like their goals are way different than the goals of the ministry. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's always, you know, you just take what, you take them as they come, you know, but it's always great to see the light go off in somebody's head and for them to ask how they can get more involved and then show up when they ask, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, I guess the, if we have to boil it down to this, to just what this week's topic is, it's, um, the church living to its full potential, and what's that look like, and how do we get there? And well, we'll get there through the questions, uh, the way right. we usually do. So just out of curiosity, very simple, yes or no, well, maybe just a little explanation. <laughs> do you think uh, of the past as the good old days, meaning that it was a better era back then? Um... Like which past? Our, like well, our okay. past or like the past of the world? 
Well, I mean, we're talking about where the church is at oh, right okay. now. Mm-hmm. But this isn't just specific to the church. And the reason why I ask that is because a lot of times, especially generations older than I am, yeah. talk about the good old days. You know, be it my mom, be it my mm-hmm. family, or be it just acquaintances. They talk about how back in the day it was better. Uh, you could, you know, buy a loaf of bread for a nickel and all this kind of jazz. Mm-hmm. And... Um, well, maybe I just didn't experience that, but I'm more jaded to hearing something like that. Because right. I think of the good old days, and uh, I can't help but, and maybe just because that's the kind of movies we had been watching recently, but mm-hmm. I think of the fact that I probably, because of where I'm from, wouldn't have been able to marry my wife because mm-hmm. uh-huh. different okay. backgrounds, different right. cultures, things of that sort. That's why I, people tell me, oh, the good old days, and I always have a tint of, sorry to say it this way, but poop in my mouth when I hear that. <laughs> It's just, well, how good were they? Uh, yeah, right. they were good for some. Well, right. Uh, I know for me, like lately I've been struggling with mm-hmm. that um, idea. I know that you kind of wanted a yes or no and short explanation, but um, okay. yeah, just in general, like when I hear a lot of people say, oh man, I love the first retreat we went on, mm-hmm. you know, and now we're coming up on our third one, right? And everyone still wants to keep focusing, oh, because we had this awesome moment here and this happened and... Mm-hmm. At the same time, it also was the first one, so there were no expectations, and right. Uh, right. and so yeah. people came and uh, were like, "Oh, everything kind of blew everything out of the water. It was awesome." And so when you go the second time, you go the third time, it kind of gets the point, you know. So point I'm sorry, <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is uh, when I think of the church in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know I saw in your notes we could talk about Billy Graham, the Crusades, and all that, or we can go into any type of church history and. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sure, I'm sure in any era or time in history, we could look at great things that the church was doing. But um, a lot of times I see in scripture, I feel like God is always pushing us to go further, have a new song, have, you know, to uh, a lot of times, even when I look at uh, the Israelites, when they're in the wilderness, you know, it was like they wanted to go back to Egypt, Mm -hmm. you know, a place of slavery for them for over 400 years. Yet, why would people that were in slavery for 400 years want to go back to that bondage? But that, again, that was all they knew. Mm-hmm. And change, which was the wilderness for them, was unknown and um, frustrating, and they had to really rely on God. And so I think when we look at church today, there's a lot of things changing. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's not the church, it's just the culture around us. You know, from now we have social media and all that. Billy Graham didn't have that back in the day. So him going on these crusades and going to stadiums and speaking, um, you know, those, those are powerful stuff. And mm-hmm. Billy Graham is an amazing, you know, evangelist for that. But um, for me, I guess I struggle when people say the good old days because I'm like, man, you're missing out on what God is doing presently right. and what he's preparing you for. Um, why do we keep looking back, you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I stand. Yeah, the, I heard somebody say once, if your testimony is a recap of what happened 10 years ago, you're doing something wrong. <laughs> because God, you know, the Bible says His mercies are new every morning. Mm-hmm. And so God wants to do something every day. And I, I just, I think about, you know, if if God didn't do anything today, then it's not Him. It's me. I didn't engage, you know. And, and He may be working something that He's got to bring another person in line with where He's bringing you into. But I think for me, like... I prepare like when I go to a conference and I know it's going to be a great conference. I know that on Sunday it's all going to be over and I prepare for that moment of, all right, I'm not going to get depressed that it's all over. I'm going to take what I learned here and I'm going to continue to move forward. I'm going to continue to have 
this mountaintop experience, it's not just going to be a conference. It's going to be the way I live my life, you know? So I, I hear both what you're saying. Like, I think there's a lot of freedom in our society today for people of opposite races or different races to get married. But I also think there's more opportunity in the church nowadays. Mm-hmm. And I, I just keep hearing there's more, there's different levels of freedom now that weren't back then. I went to a church that was like hellfire and damnation. And now mm-hmm. it's more like, please come. You're Anybody's welcome. We want to provide an opportunity for anybody to hear about the gospel. So I'm, I'm mixed. Mm-hmm. Well, that was the simple version. I just <laughs> <laughs> no, no, you that should was have good. just left it a yes or no. Yeah. Yes or yes. no. It was. It's a. It's a question that it comes with a lot of baggage, I guess. Yeah. So it's difficult not to not to get into it. Uh, what was the high point of the church, to you personally? The high point of the church. I mean, it, obviously, we want to strive to the high point. Be you know, every week. You know, we reach something new every week. Right. But. Like uh, like the high points of the church for me, I remember one retreat that we did, not to go back to a retreat, right. <laughs> but there was one retreat that we did called Pioneer with uh-huh. the youth group. And like everybody was functioning in their gifting. Mm-hmm. And then God sort of planted a bomb that blew up and we all ended up at different churches. That's because, a preview for next week, I think. Yeah, right? well, <laughs> and, and so everybody at this, this youth camp was just doing, everybody was doing their part. Mm-hmm. And then later on, we, when, you know, life happens and blah, 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 I was at a conference with a lot of those people, and I realized what was happening was seven different churches were now represented. So the people that were all functioning at one church, mm-hmm. God moved out into seven different churches. So the high point for me was when everybody is everybody stops going, oh, I don't have a place, and they didn't call me, and, and I don't know where to serve, and I don't know if I'm welcome. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen at Pioneer. What happened at Pioneer was, how can I help? Yeah, I'd love to do that. I'll do this. You write that. You, you know, go get the water for this. Everybody was functioning, mm-hmm. at, and it was like everybody was using their gifts all at once, simultaneously, and good things happened. So, yeah, and, and maybe just because that was um, an experience we shared. Yeah. To me, that was a personal high point. Yeah. Um, I guess I, the question was more so geared towards, uh, I guess, the church in general. I mean, depending on how you look at things, you could have said at one point that even the Catholic Church had control over the world because they right. they were the superpower of the world. But, you know, then there comes a lot of baggage with that, too. The idea is, if there was such a time as a high time, as a great time, right. the best time, you know, when... Billy Graham was leading the crusades of, you know, saving stadiumfuls of people. Right. Where, I'm gonna what does that look like? I mean, you know. <laughs> I'm going to defer to George because, like, I, I honestly don't know. Like, my history with the church, my history with liking the church has been very short. And, I mean, I love Jesus and, and I love everything about him. But, right. like, my history with the church has positive and negative. So I don't have a great, you know, what do you think? I think on top of my head, when I really think about this, um, and I guess it depends on how you look at it, because you say the high point, and yeah. some people would look at church history and probably be like, was that a high point? People were being killed for their faith. Oh, right. Um, but honestly, it's probably when Jesus uh, ascended back into heaven, mm-hmm. you know, the moment where he sends off the disciples for the last time, go and make 
the disciples of all nations, mm-hmm. I think if we're talking about the high point, it's probably when people were like the power of Jesus Christ, the resurrection from the tomb, from the grave, you know, what he said and what he did is true. Mm-hmm. Like why would, you know, at that time, I guess now 11 because of Judas, um, but 11 went off and said, hey, we're going to still live this out and do what, yeah. you know, our teacher taught us, Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so if I was to think of a high point, probably is that because that is when it all started. Boom, mm-hmm. you know, here's the church is happening. They're meeting in homes. You see in Acts 2 where it says, you know, um, how they learned from the apostles' teaching. They broke bread together. They shared together. Mm-hmm. And from there, numbers were being added daily. And so um, I, I think it's tough to say that, you know, is today not a high point? And again, I think it's our perspective. I mm-hmm. think we should be more proactive in that and be like, yeah, like, you know, the Lord has us here for such a time as mm-hmm. this. Like, uh, I'm not Peter, I'm not Paul, but I'm George. And uh, so I think to have the perspective of, yeah, right now for me in this time, like, this is a high point for the church. We mm-hmm. have an opportunity with the resources we had that the apostles didn't have back then. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it depends on how you look at it, but. If I was to pick a specific time, it's probably when the everyone is like, yes, this is so true mm-hmm. because we firsthand experienced Jesus yeah. Christ um, where, you know, nowadays people are too smart for their own good and learn <laughs> Hold a lot on. of them, so. And I, I mean, as, as you're saying, I'm thinking, well, duh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, that's as good an answer as you can give mm-hmm. is reading Acts in the beginning of the church yeah. and uh, watching it function. Um, Beautifully, because it, you know everybody was sacrificing for each other, right. and you were functioning as one unit. Not that that doesn't occur now, but the idea behind asking that was to say, well, how does the modern church look different from that? Okay. So how does it look different from that? I mean, are we more? Obviously, we're bigger, but are we more disconnected? Is well, here's here was my thought on that. I just I got two specific events: nine eleven, and then the Pulse tragedy. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it takes tragedy to bring us all together, and it takes tragedy to slap our hands and say treat people like treat treat people like people, you mm-hmm. know. And so I think those two events caused people to not focus on how they're different anymore, but to focus on what God has given them to help. And mm-hmm. and I told Pastor Ed this once. I said I feel like in America we have the luxury of denomination. Whereas everybody else, they're just serving Jesus or, or beheaded, you know, getting beheaded or killed. Mm-hmm. And in, in the U.S., we have so much freedom. We have the luxury to be like, well, I'm a symbol of God and I'm Baptist. And I, I think in other countries, they're just like, well, we're fighting for food and survival and we just love Jesus. You know, right. so I, I think for me, there are, the picture that I got when you said high points, I just saw a bunch of different high points depending on where people are at in their walk. And depending on whether they're where they're gathered in mass, you know, mm-hmm. whether it's a big revival or an Easter service, where, you know, in the church we always joke, well, those people come on Christmas and Easter, but mm-hmm. if they have an encounter with God, it doesn't matter if it's Halloween, you know. Um, so that's my thought. Yeah, the uh, the only thing that I could think of when think well when asking myself that question was if the church was to function like that today, mm-hmm. the church in general, I mean, they would call it a hippie commune. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you're <laughs> yeah, sharing, you're, you're selling your homes, and you're mm-hmm. living together, and, you know, you're, you're really just kind of all, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to get it to, to just the finances of it, you know, dipping from the same pot. But right. 
you know, is that obviously it's not a bad thing. It's just, it's almost impossible to live up to that mm-hmm. standard anymore because we just don't live in that world anymore either. Well, and, and if, it's, if it's an internal focus, yeah, maybe a hippie commune. But if you've got a church coming together, like we, our church built a church in Colombia, mm-hmm. and we can't even go to that part of the, the country. So if, if you're living that way internally, but it has an external um, product, mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing, regardless of what they call us. You know, if we're if we're banding together, pool our resources, and then helping someone outside of our circle, mm-hmm. um, that's the way people are drawn in to the gospel. That's why. That's what gets their attention. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what makes us look different. Um, oh, that's good. Uh, where do uh, <clears throat> where do you currently serve, and or where have you served before? Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and answer this one quickly because it just <laughs> I'll get the least offer here. I've served at the youth group. I served there for about nine years. Uh, we have helped out in a few different ministries here and there, but not to that level of dedication where it was weekly meetings, meetings on top of that, and you know it was quite a bit of devotion in there. Uh, to some degree, I guess we helped out with you, but you know, that slightly fell apart because. Of, you know, Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, uh, my thought was that you've served me in so many ways that you don't even know. And, and like like some of the mission trips I've taken or some of the trips I've taken, you and your wife would hand, on, hand over an envelope of cash that was more than some people would ever hand over in a lifetime. You know, So you've definitely served my ministry. And, <clears throat> and you serving in youth, like I will never forget the shot heard around the world when we're all youth group leaders, and Lewis is this not shy but kind of quiet guy sitting at the edge of the circle, and he's like, all right, people, if we're going to work together, if we're going to do this, we need to at least be able to be friends and talk to one another and, and have conversations. And I'm like, go, Lewis. I can never say that, but I'm glad you're saying it. So in the places you've served, even though they may not have been many, mm-hmm. you provided an impact that was monumental for me. Um, I'm humbled by that. Thank you. I just, it was humbling also in the sense that I, I'm looking at that and it's like, well, I could point to where George is at. I can point to where you're at. And, you know, Gina and I do our part to right. a degree, but it's just like, I can't just say, okay, well, here, let me present it to you. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. here's the website and go check it out. Right. Yeah. So, well, and I, I, I'm not trying to have a Lewis podcast, but just the fact mm-hmm. that you could, you could cut both your arms off and still write a better screen or screenplay than I could. Mm-hmm. You know, you've served ministries in Chicago and and or in uh, Illinois. You've served ministries here, and you just you know the contributions you make may be from an armchair, but they're still contributions, or your desk or wherever you write in your bathroom with the crazy curtains and stuff. Um, and my ministry, I I served at Exchange Ministry starting in two thousand. I served. Exodus Ministries, uh, the ministry that I'm currently working with is Big Fish Ministry and Exchange Ministries. And it's, you know, it, I've done just about everything because people, what happens with the ministries that I work with, it's a last resort sometimes for people. And they know that we help people with sexual brokenness, but sometimes we get people that come in that have drug problems or just straight guys who can't talk to their pastors and they can come talk to me about their pornography issues or whatever it is. And so uh, 
my ministry is just a ministry sometimes of clocking in and showing up. Um, the other day, a lady bought some stuff from our garage sale stash, mm-hmm. and I showed up at her house, and she was, um, uh, you know, and, and I looked at her Facebook page because I, I want to know who I'm going to see or whatever, and she was obviously um, a lesbian and n- nothing about that, but when I showed up, she would, she looked like a little man. Mm-hmm. And so I was talking to her, and her name was uh, Pat, and uh, I asked her in the beginning, I said, is anybody going to be there to help me um, load the couch? And she said, yeah, and she could lift just as much as I could. So we mm-hmm. put the couch in the house, and her Facebook said she rescued dogs. And so I said, well, how, you know, ask about the dogs a little bit. And then as I was leaving, the Lord said, go buy her dog food. And mm-hmm. I was like, okay. So what the Lord does for me sometimes is he makes an initial contact but then he says, okay, it's time to start serving. Mm-hmm. I have some neighbors that they may never want to hear the gospel. They ask me about my story a lot, but I go over, I built a patio for them. I'm not a patio builder. Mm-hmm. Um, I went over and did yard work for them. Like the ministries that I do are specific when we have specific times. But then there are those moments of just being available and available to people that need to hear about Jesus, but need to see the work, you know, mm-hmm. it, they need to see that somebody cares about them. So yeah, no, and you yeah. do a, you do a really good job with your community mm-hmm. of uh, of being a, a light there, like a, a good yeah. um, lamp post. Yeah. yeah, George. Um, I guess I'll start. Uh, the first time I really started to serve was when I was in youth. They were kind of raising me up to be a student leader. Um, but then when I went to college, um, mm-hmm. I kind of played two roles there. One, we were kind of going, you mentioned it earlier, and that's, I guess, for another podcast, but there were some things that happened with the church back in that time, and uh, some leaders left, and uh, I ended up coming back and helping as a youth leader uh, full-time, weekly, and I was also um, in higher education, and Mm -hmm. so I was a leader there as well. And even though that was a Christian environment, it was a little bit different uh, than the local church. And Mm so it definitely gave me some different perspective on things. Um, And then I went to another university, served there for about three years. um, And then that's when I moved back uh, over to um, Celebration Area, Mm -hmm. where now I've been with Illuminate Church for three years. And so, um, yeah, served in local church and then have served also in higher education, um, where I think uh, both places are I love both places. Mm-hmm. I, love, I have uh, my heart is out there for local church and for people who are in higher education. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And then, the what? Well, you do the uh, the you know, adults too now, which is yeah, yeah. It's actually really cool. This past January, um, I kind of was given a promotion, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm technically considered the next generation pastor. And right. So, yeah. mm-hmm. what's cool about that is I have the opportunity to serve our kids, our youth, and our young adults all together. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, more specifically, I actually oversee our young adults. Um, mm-hmm. So, I lead that on Monday nights. But um, yeah, it's just, I love being able to help others mm-hmm. in their areas of ministry. And what can we do? How can we solve these problems? How can we reach these people? And um, there's a lot to learn, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I admire those who have been in ministry and who have been serving for over 30 years. And even for them, they're usually very humble and saying, man, I still have so much to learn. And so I'm a young guy and, uh, yeah, I'm definitely in a learning, uh, environment myself. So we're a lot of hats. Yeah. 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 Um, how'd you get started? Were you led there or did you have mentorship? And, uh, and for me, yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely being led there. 
uh, Jared Davis, he uh, asked me to meet him for coffee. and Ambush. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, yeah. well, did I know? And, and he, you know, I thought, well, okay, well, let's just go grab coffee and talk. And he asked me to join the youth group. Yeah. And, and I said, uh, all right, I, well, I'll go try it out. And I remember the first day I went, which was back at the Black Box, uh, and I said, I don't know if I can deal with these smart aleck kids. But it was uh, it was definitely led there, and you, you your heart grows. Yeah. It was almost like the Grinch being around the kids, and you realize, okay, well, actually, I could do something here. I could serve here. Yeah. And, and you, you, you get a passion for it. And I'd never done it before, but you, I was taught along the way. It was, it was definitely a, not so much pushed, you know, I know it sounds like you were pushed into it, but I was, uh, I was definitely led to that ministry place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I definitely saw mine as a kind of awakening because the reason I showed up at this church was Kathy McGay said, Hey, um, I'm sharing my testimony. They want you to share yours. And then our youth director is going to share her testimony. And so, Basically, I came here just to share this, my story, mm-hmm. and I remember I, you do. I remember the first yeah. time you came, and and like yeah. Tyler Crouch, he's the kid I remember because he came up and he, I said something about a receding hairline, and he's like, "Don't worry, mm-hmm. man, we all struggle with that." <laughs> and it was funny because it broke the ice, and um, but it after that, Megan kind of had my own little Jared Davis moment. Mm-hmm. Megan was like, "Would you consider coming and being a youth group leader?" And I'm like what (laughs) and so for me it was like this awakening to i know i'm supposed to serve i don't know where i'm supposed to serve right now right but yeah megan kind of was the first person that got me interested in it and then kathy got me interested in youth ministry and that was my first start so yeah uh for me i feel like it's interesting how I kind of started you know um, I think a little bit of my history will help with that when I was 14 months old my dad passed away and growing up without a father um, I kind of I don't know I I wasn't crying out for a mentor Um, I never did anything that was crazy that kind of was like hey I desire attention because I don't have a father or anything like that but Mm -hmm. there was a lot of men in my life that tried to fill that gap and that almost pushed me away from them more because I almost felt like they were trying even though I wasn't asking and, uh, and so, but indirectly you, you talk about Jared Davis, um, and it's cool cause I, I actually still see him pretty mm-hmm. regularly now and, uh, him and I think of Bronson Moore and oh, there yeah. was a couple of others that went to Southeastern university at the time and they were our leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was applying for college, you know, at the end of the day, I was like, well, where am I going to go? I said Southeastern. And when I really broke it down, I was like, not that these people, really pulled me aside and mentored me and were like, Hey George, like start serving in this area or whatever. I just saw the way they lived. And I was like, man, if I want to be something in my life, like I want to be like that. And so in a way they mentored me just because of the way they were living and serving us, um, on a weekly basis. And so from there I go to Southeastern and then that was the first time the Lord was really breaking my heart for seeking a mentor. And that was the first right. time I really found men that I was like, look, I see qualities that you have that I don't have. And I had those knee-to-knee conversations. I was like, I want to learn from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a first for me. That was pretty hard. I was like, man, I, I need a man because right now I'm still doing childish things. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so that changed my whole perspective. They helped show me and they, they were like, I'll I want you in this area. And they were able to call things out that I didn't realize I had and put me in positions that I didn't even know I could be in. And 
from there, just kind of it's where it all started, you know. And uh, uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing when I look back. I'm like, I never would have expected I would be where I am today, but it's because of the people the Lord placed in my life, and I paid attention. I think mm-hmm. that was it. I paid attention. I was like, okay, uh, I, I don't, I want to do something in my life, and uh, it seems like they're doing it. Yeah, no, it, it's. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, transparent here. Uh-oh. When, well, when we do the questions, or when I come up with the questions for the show, I always have this idea of trying to lead up to things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's supposed to be a step-by-step process. And with all that said, uh, we're talking about the church stepping up, and I have, I'm assuming that by stepping up, what that means is serving. You know, because that's what the church, I guess, is kind of built for. I mean, for a relationship, of course, but we're called out to serve. And what's that service look like or encompass? Oh, man. Oh, well, I, I can tell you exactly. Like, I, I run a ministry that helps men and women walk out of homosexuality. And, like, for me, I know that's an area that I never would have chosen it, but I never would have chosen it for my life, but it's an area God allowed. And I'm serving people in that area with what God has, where God has brought me from and what God has taught me. And so when I see somebody that comes into our ministry and they're like, I just want to be here for about six months and I want to, you know, get this over with and I want to move on with my life and I don't ever ever want to talk about this again. And I'm like, well, what use is that? That's like for you. Mm-hmm. Like what, how does that benefit other people? And so for me, I don't expect everybody to serve like me. But I do expect people to share with what God has given them. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it, it always, and I don't, I don't not serve those people. I serve them all equally, but it just, it makes me feel a little icked when somebody comes in and says, well, you know, I just want to, I just want to talk about this privately, mm-hmm. or I don't want to share this ever. And um, sexual sin and sexual brokenness is not something that can be lived alone, you mm-hmm. know, and it, it's, something that this next generation needs a better perspective on. And if we refuse to give them a better perspective, they're not going to get one, you know? So mm-hmm. for me, I, that that's part of what it looks like. Okay. Well, I think uh, from my perspective that I've learned is that there are people in the church that don't understand their spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. So for instance, you know, yeah. there could be a guy in the church that sits in the front row whose talents are, he's a great plumber. And that's awesome. He can use those as a way to serve, right? Mm-hmm. He can serve people. Hey, I want to help people in the church. I need plumbing, you know. But on the other side, like, Scripture talks about how we're given spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. And uh, and in that, a lot of times, it's like, well, I don't, I don't know what that is. Uh, how do I apply that? Mm-hmm. And I think that's my job. That's the pastor's job is uh, how do I serve you mm-hmm. as a pastor to equip you with the gifts that guys gave me. Let's call that out. Hey, I see that you are a prayer warrior. Man, hey, we have a great opportunity where you can help us pray for these people who need healing or need this or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's key. And, and when I thought about that question earlier, there, were, I think obviously the perfect example is Jesus. And I know a mm-hmm. lot of times we end up saying that's like the cliche way to go, but it's okay. true. We're, we're it's, Christians. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's like it's... it's <laughs> It's Jesus. And Mm -hmm. so when I thought about it, I was like, well, like, how did he do it? And, you know, Jesus, he called personally. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when he went up to call his disciples, he called them personally. Mm-hmm. He led them personally. He did that for three and a half years. And then he sent them out personally. And um, what happens, and I love how our pastor Tim, our lead pastor, says, he's like, you know, how do you starve a dog? You tell three people to feed it. Mm-hmm. And so what can happen is you go up on stage and you say, and I, I mean, I've gone up on stage and I've said something like, hey, we have this event coming up. I just did this past weekend. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a great way for you to serve. And it, it works. You know, people mm-hmm. will go and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, I want to serve. And they're excited for that. Right. But when you're able to call someone personally, and I'm not just talking about a phone call. I'm saying, hey, Lewis, mm-hmm. like, I've noticed this in you. And there's an area over here that, like, I would love your talents to be used here. And mm-hmm. so when you talk about the body that Paul talks about so much in scripture, it's like, dude, we need a left hand mm-hmm. you're a left hand. And, uh, and I think that's where someone like me, I could lack in as a shepherd is neglect those moments of realizing Lewis. Like I see this, here's an opportunity. How can I help you in that? Not mm-hmm. let me release you, you know, and that's it. But right. I call you personally. I lead you in that personally. And I can send you out then. And, you know, when I'm not around, you now know what to do kind of thing. And so I don't right. know, hopefully I'm answering the question. No, no, that's yeah, great. That, yeah. And that, that helps me exactly like um, what I do in ministry sometimes is uncover all the stuff the world has piled on them. Mm-hmm. And once you can clear away the mess, the spiritual gifts then kind of can be revealed. Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of... Uh, a lot of the gay community has talents and abilities and, and things that they're using that they're not using for God because they've been mm-hmm. ch- chased away from the church. And so I have a friend that she says, you know, the gay community is the gold of the kingdom because if we can refine them, if we can refine them and bring their talents and abilities mm-hmm. back to the church, the church will be better for it. You mm-hmm. know, and so I think in my ministry, it's restoring confidence in people it, it definitely is leading them to jesus first because without that right cornerstone without that foundation you know well, so. it's, it's funny you say that because i wrote down these notes and i said churches are expecting a paul but need to deal with the heart of a saul first oh they yeah have to redirect people's purpose mm-hmm. and so you had so many people in scripture that they had a certain purpose even the first disciples their purpose was catching fish or being a tax collector or being a doctor and then the lord called them and gave them a new purpose, um, but we're expecting a Paul, right? This guy that's so charismatic and, and is willing to is fearless and goes into the dark places. It's like, but he, the Lord had to deal with Saul first, mm-hmm. and uh, and even in that, like Paul didn't go right after he was blind and then could see again. It was like, hey, there was some time that he had to be trained up by then the disciples, even though he was technically a Pharisee leader, right? You know, he had to redesign his his thought process and stuff. And so when you said that, I, that's what yeah, I thought about. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, those were, those are kind of in ways perfect answers because you answered the next question, which is how do we get there? Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's pretty clear. It's just mentorship. It's uh, having somebody willing to take you by the hand or mm-hmm. take you by the arm and say, hey, you know, point you in the right direction and hey, let's talk this out. There's not... The specific question, when when you when I got the text and you were talking to each other and you said, well, let's talk about this, yeah. was <clears throat> why isn't the church as effective? Why are we working like we're uh, lame, like, you know, our legs busted or our arms busted? And obviously, you know, there's healing, I guess, in that, but we're lacking mentorship. We're lacking 
somebody helping us along to do what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, it's funny because I, I mean, I always bring him up, my coworker, and and today was another another conversation about how the church doesn't do its job and how it's failing. And, and and sometimes I had to sit there and agree. Well, yeah, I guess you're right. If we could do our jobs to the best of our ability, then we could take care of those problems. We could uh, tackle everything. But what's necessary to get there is commitment from the elders, from the older generations, to mm-hmm. bring up the, the the newer ones and say, "Hey, let me help you along. Let me show you the way. Let me teach you from what I've gone through." So you don't have to do that, yeah. go through that. Right. So you're further along, you know. Well, and there, there has to be a completion of the circuit, you know. You've got to have people that are willing to teach, but you've got to have people that are willing to listen. And when people True, are hurt yeah. and broken and wounded, they don't necessarily listen that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, I have my, my friend James, who's British, and when I would pray at, <laughs> at work over my food, I don't know if I prayed too long or whatever, but he'd be like, doesn't he know your food's getting cold? Mm-hmm. Why do you have to pray so long? And and it was a funny thing, but then he would talk about the churches and how the churches aren't doing what they need to do. Well, I was able to write a blog and, and talk to James and people like James about what our church does mm-hmm. and, and who they're willing to help. And then the other day, um, I picked up some stuff from George, and George had a, a jack for a car in it, and I knew that James could use it. Mm-hmm. So I took it right over to James's house and gave it to James, and he was like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I was like, yes. The Lord always provides. And he mm-hmm. goes, I needed one of these. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. It didn't have that moment, like, connecting him with Jesus. But I had that tiny little moment where George gave me something. George is the representative of the church. Mm-hmm. And I was able to give it to James. But none of us get credit for it. God gets the credit right. for it, you know. So, unfortunately, when we do bad things, God gets yeah. the <laughs> But, well, yeah. Well, I'll say this. And I, I mean, I'm sure there are people that uh, will probably disagree with me. But I kind of get frustrated when People attack the church and say mm-hmm. the church isn't doing their job, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know if that's a fair statement to say. One, I think it's a slippery slope, you know, because you obviously super generalizing the church altogether, mm-hmm. and we can just focus on Illuminate as well. But you know, someone who is full time on staff for a church, I know that the people in this office are busting their butt mm-hmm. to do what they can to equip people and to create opportunities to serve locally and globally. And it's like, just because you still see poverty, you still hear about yeah. human trafficking, just because you still see this, you people just want to blame the church. And I feel yeah. like it's so easy to just be like, well, the church. You know, They don't say specifically a church. Uh-uh. They yeah. say the church. Right. One bad apple like, ruins the whole thing. It's batch. like, oh, man, you know, the church is just not doing their job. And I'm like, you know, that's not fair. If we were literally always everything was inward, I would agree with you. But mm-hmm. the fact that. We just went on a missions trip. We just brought our youth on a youth camp. We just did some local school opportunities because mm-hmm. schools are starting back up. Who are you to say that we aren't trying to do right. our part? Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. We're human, and so we're paralyzed in certain areas. But um, I don't know. Like When I hear that, I just I struggle I, with it. I think the other side of that is people are making excuses why they don't go to church. Oh, yeah. So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, they can generalize and they can justify, well, I'm not a part of a church because of this. And it's like, mm-hmm. all right, well, that's just... That's just an excuse, you know. But can I ask, I want to ask you guys this question. Jesus discipled 12. How is Pastor Tim supposed to disciple over 400 people? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, no, it's, yeah. A, but, it's but, an impossible task. Yeah. And that's why, you know, when, when I when I have these conversations with, with the dude at work, <clears throat> I, uh, 
I guess I'm lumping us all up together, mm-hmm. the whole church. And the the matter is that if I wanted to kind of break it into simple terms, we're human. Yeah. And unfortunately, the, the church is composed of humans, and we don't operate perfectly. Mm-hmm. So sure, I, I mean, I, I say I agree with him, and I nod to him, and that's not as a yeah, way yeah, of yeah. agreeing to him. Like, yeah, sure, let's attack the church. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. more so of a, yeah, I can see your point. Yeah. And, and in a perfect world, yeah, we would be able to tackle everything the way it should be yeah. because we all are focused the way we should be. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I never even thought about it like that. I mean, he's not supposed to, you know. It's there's no way that um, there's no way that he could well, disciple four hundred people, you know. And that's what I challenge our young adults. Yeah. Who are your twelve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because I think there's a, a fear of influence that we have. Like, I mean, you can read them in self help books and all that stuff, but you have like your close group of people, and there's mm-hmm. usually about a certain amount of during my time and the efforts that I have, my energy I have as a human. That can really invest in those people. Mm-hmm. Outside of that, I mean, we have on average, you know, twenty-something young adults that come on a Monday. It's very difficult for me weekly to give them as much attention. You know, it's like I can either right. do. Uh, I love how Andy Stanley says it. He says, you know, do for one that you wish you could do for all. And it's just that idea that if I did try to do everything for all, all four hundred something there mm-hmm. in our church on a Sunday, it's going to be weak mm-hmm. compared to. Right maybe a 12 that I can say, hey, I've sought after the Lord. I know that you're someone in this season I need to pour into. And uh, and so I think about that, and I think a lot of people are like, oh, why aren't people stepping up? Well, it's church-wise and the pastor. Like, I'm like, man, you're expecting this guy who has a family, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, yeah. who is preparing a message from the Lord to give to you, to feed you on a Sunday, that he needs to now disciple you weekly. I'm like, Jesus didn't do that. And he did speak in synagogues, mm-hmm. spoke in temples, so... You know, that Sunday morning kind of thing happened. But at the end of the day, throughout the week, day to day, he had 12. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, who are your 12? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's Mission Impossible for one man or even yeah. one yeah. church brown, to take brown, on. Brown. <laughs> well, and, and I, I look at it like this way. I tell my guys all the time because dealing with people who struggle with homosexuality, one if you boil away the sex, these guys are just trying to find one person who's safe, mm-hmm. who can pour into them. But if you're relying on one person other than Jesus to pour into you their everything, you're going to be feeble, broken, and wounded because that person is pouring imperfections into you. Mm-hmm. So I look at it this way. George may give me 20% of what I need. You give me 30. Bronson, who was a mentor of mine, even though I was 10 years older than him, and that was a humble thing. Mm-hmm. But um, Bronson gives me 25. Garrett gives me 5. You know, I get... God from a lot of different people so that God is my influence, so that God is my end result, mm-hmm. not, you know, mm-hmm. sexless homosexuality by idolizing one another human or mm-hmm. whatever. And so I, I think it can be scary to build relationships. It can be scary to step up and, and you know, like the first time that God called me to start building relationships again with men in the church, I saw Butch hanging out in the foyer and I thought he was just this little feeble old man so I thought he'll be safe and I invited him to coffee and Butch is a firestorm you know mm-hmm. and I was not prepared for that but that's how that happened and then mm-hmm. I got Patty out of that and then different relationships get built but the one thing I want to talk about before we go further because you and I have talked about it George and I have talked about it but when it comes to stepping up I know you had said something about when 
you were mentoring certain youth group kids, mm-hmm. and you were one, one or two kids were your were your kids that you really wanted the other kids to mentor, and you found out later they were kind of their high school bullies. Right. <laughs> and and I had a kid like that that was struggling with homosexuality. I asked two of my youth group kids who came to me to ask how they could help if they could step up and help this kid, and they were just kind of they didn't help. They were very detrimental in his growth, mm-hmm. and like that's that moment as a leader, you just yeah. like. I feel responsible for what happened to that kid. I feel like I could have done better. And I'm like, no, I just did. I led as God called me to lead. So, but we talked about that. Just go there for a second. No, Just yeah. That, well, that's, I mean, that, that was kind of a unique situation in which we found ourselves because it's a, it's such a formative time, high school, middle school. And, uh, and it, we had hired somebody at where I work who I just found that I had all these connections to, not one-on-one. And uh, we got to knowing each other. I got to talk to him. Oh, you know these people. You know these people. Oh, this is what I used to do. And I ended up having to apologize to him because kids that I poured everything I had into who I I cried over, I prayed over, I, I bought them lunch, I bought them dinner, I... Tried to be, you know, and, and I'm not trying to replace Christ, but I tried to be Christ to him. Completely dropped the ball, and <laughs> there was nothing but hate in this kid's eyes for these kids. Yeah, and and it just it, it was like revisiting a new wound essentially because I didn't even know what was going on. To certain certain degrees, I knew it was, but it, it was frustrating. And and it's not a fair thing to take that on yourself because you can't control what anybody's going to do. All right. But you know it, you can't help but think to yourself, what could I have done different, or how could I have done better, or what did I do to fail here? And yeah, it's just there. There you go. I revisited points. So. Oh yeah. yeah. Like, it was just you know like I, I think you never you never do anything. To get something back. You do it because you love these kids or these adults or whoever. Mm-hmm. And you do it because God leads you to do it. Like, I, I, I remember I was helping somebody out. And I, was, I gave them a bunch of stuff. And I went to their house and I saw that they'd spent money on something else. Mm-hmm. And I was livid for about three seconds. And the Lord was like, do you want to re- go over your bank statements? And I was like, no, <laughs> I'm good. But it's just like, like you have to... You have to give and you have to kind of divorce the giving. You're like, I'm doing this because God's called me to do it, not because I'm trying to win favor. Right. But, but it does rub you a little the wrong way when people refuse to step up time and time again. Mm-hmm. Thoughts, George? <laughs> uh, you know, just I guess someone in my position, it it can be frustrating. And that this is where, obviously, this conversation, like I said earlier, has been happening before us meeting together mm-hmm. now. and. So I've been contemplating, you know, what does it look like for people to step up? And I'm in a position in the, of the spectrum because I work on staff in a church. I'm, you know, so far on one side, right? I'm, and then you have someone who is, I just attend on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And so, and I don't get involved. And so there's this huge, like, gap. And so for me, as someone who is at those serving events and all that, at the same time, I'm paid. And, yeah. and so there's that, you know, always that, like, okay, well, would I be here if I wasn't? Right, mm-hmm. and you kind of you know question, and then, and 
triple I believe that where the Lord has worked in my life that I would. Um, but we do Philo. You know, we mm-hmm. do the set up and tear down because we're a mobile church. And, What's uh, Philo for people? Yeah, first in, last out. So we uh, show up at 615 at the high school, set up um, for our service because mm-hmm. it's just an empty school theater. And then after, after service, we tear down. But uh, I was telling Matthew the other day, I was like, you know, this one of these past Sundays, we're in there, we're setting up. And I look around, and I think about 90, 95% of the people that are there were paid by the church. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as time went on, some people came and whatnot. And some of it, I think, is a factor of time. You know, do I want to wake up on a Sunday at like mm-hmm. 6 o'clock and like go move around some crates and whatnot? And, and obviously, there's some more appealing serving opportunities. Um, but I think... For me, I have to remember that, uh, you know, people have full-time jobs and lives outside of that, and they probably are serving in those areas, in their workplace, in their families. Um, But in those moments of, I'll kind of go back to some statements I made earlier, if there's really something that, hey, we have an opportunity here where we can serve and we can make a difference and advance God's kingdom here, uh, I think addressing them personally, you know, and Mm -hmm. be like, hey, like, I need you. Will you partner with me? Um, and I think that's the huge part is, hey, I'm not saying, Lewis, just go. Matthew, just go. I won't be there. You know, I just mm-hmm. I need people to fill this spot for me. We just need 10 people. It's, hey, hey partner with me as in I'm there too, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and I think people want to know that, uh, one, they're not going to be work like dogs and unappreciated. You know, I think right. that's a huge thing that sometimes in the church we can get so lost on each little program or thing that happens mm-hmm. that we lose the moments of appreciating those who are serving. Because I think in any, anywhere outside of church in any job or whatever, if you weren't appreciated, eventually those people are like, you know, I'm out of here. Right, I'm you out. Know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. no one's being paid to come and serve and volunteer. Yeah. And they want to know, am I actually wanted here or am I just extra hands just for extra hands? Mm-hmm. You know? Right. So, I well, in, in the beginning, like there would be times where I would, this is this was a long time ago, but there would be times where I'd show up for first in, last out, and nobody would train you. They'd just do their own thing, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm doing this right. They would always tell you if you're doing it wrong. Yeah. But then, like later when I came, I can't remember when it was, but I, Chris Min, is his name McDonka? McDonka. I don't know how to say his last name. Yeah. But Chris actually trained somebody on lights, mm-hmm. and then somebody else took somebody aside and trained them on that. And I was like, this is what we need. We don't need to show up, and and I'm be there with these people who are a tad bit bitter because nobody shows up and then they won't train you yeah. or they get mad. And so well, I'm always willing to answer an email right. and I love the training part of it yeah. because nobody wants to show up and just be like, oh, I don't know what to do. Well, and I think on the other side, cause truthfully for our church, we have a lot of paid staff for our size. It's usually not normal. Yeah. Um, for, yeah, for a church our size. So I think what happens is two things goes back to what you're saying Matthew is one on the staff side we might not delegate or allow opportunities for others because I'm paid I know what to do and I'll do it oh yeah yeah you know then you have the other side where people see it and it's like well they're paid and like they know what to do if they needed me they probably would have said something usually the part where we tear down after church because that's mm-hmm. usually when most people are awake they're all there right, <laughs> church is over how many times I've been tearing down and people are just standing there talking forever, and even though they see that we're lifting heavy subs and moving these crates, and no one will come up to me majority of the time and be like, is there anything I can do? Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of that is, one, they don't know that there's a need. 
because I haven't said anything. Mm-hmm. And two, it's like, I don't know what to do. And I, I agree with you. I think some of it comes down to, can I show you? And that's, a, in the end, and we talked about this earlier, Lewis, is the fact that it all comes down to that mentoring and that mm-hmm. discipling. And it's like, come alongside of me. Right. Not just go put some cords away over there. Right. Those green cords go in that green bin. Like, no, 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 no. Like, hey, can, can I show you? Can, I, can, can you help me? Like, mm-hmm. I could really use you. And uh, I think that really empowers someone to be like, oh, like, I'm needed. I'm wanted. And uh, there's an opportunity. I want to use my gifts. So. Well, and, and for me, like, any serving opportunity is, is the opportunity to build relationships. And I feel like, I don't know. This is not a poor me statement. But I feel like I'm the only one sometimes that wants relationship with other men. You know, like they all have their wives or their family or whatever. But I go to those events not only to serve, but to mm-hmm. build relationships. I need other men in my life that are healthy, you know. Well, yeah, there should be a camaraderie in, in serving. Um, just for the sake of time, uh, what's one thing that you would, we always try to end with a bit, bit of advice. What's one thing you would tell somebody who thinks the church isn't doing enough or a piece of advice you would give them, and and I mean we'll touch on it again. It's just it's I think the key that's necessary and missing, or not necessarily missing, but we could use more of, is just mentorship. And two two parts of that: be mentored to, and mentor others. You know it, it goes both ways. Use what you do have to mentor others mm-hmm. and be mentored mm-hmm. too. It can't just be one because then you just dry up or you fatten up you know um i think my advice that i would give and this is not just for church i would say in life in general mm-hmm. uh, and i try my best to do this is don't just point out the problems be a solution mm-hmm. so a lot of times we'll do this, especially with our government oh so and so is the problem and it's like okay what, what can we do about that and then yeah. it's like nothing it's just I just wanted to tell you that that was the problem <laughs> and uh, and I think that happens in church and it happens in other areas of life where it's like again we'll go back the church isn't doing their job mm-hmm. okay what are you going to do exactly are you going to come are you going to help us I had a uh, I'll say this quick because I know time I had a young adult that came to me once and was like look I'm like young adults doesn't do enough outreach opportunities. Don't think this is our place for us. I said, okay, can I, can I just ask you this? Mm -hmm. You see that there's a need for the young adults and you obviously know that no one's, I guess, really taking that on. Mm -hmm. Why don't you come to me and ask to fill that spot? Mm -hmm. Instead, you want me to plan everything out for you and all that. And that's, that's fine. I'll, I'll do my best to do that. But at the end of the day, you wanted to point out a problem and instead you said, I'm out. Mm hmm. And when there's an opportunity, step up, serve, help me, you know, what, do you have suggestions? Let's do something here. So for me, that would be my advice is, you know, don't just point out problems. It's okay. We can point out problems. Right. Yeah. I mean, if a problem is there, it's there, but But, don't just point it out. Yeah. You know, give me a solution. It might not be the one that we need to take right now, but would love that you have some feedback. Hey, but this is what I was thinking that we can do. Mm -hmm. Is there any way I can help in that? Man, that's powerful. You know, it's like, thank you. You know, we're coming alongside one another of just, instead of just being like, Lewis, I pay you, here you go. Mm-hmm. You, you just need to do that. You know, I tied to the church, here you go. Mm-hmm. And that's boutique religion. Happens. Yeah. This is what I'd like. Mm-hmm. This is, I'd like a little worship. Uh, I'd like three songs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I agree. It's because 
it's not like you guys sit in a room and wait for suggestions. Mm -hmm. You're always working on something. Mm -hmm. I'm always working on something. And so it's nice. Um, I think that's my piece of advice is, you know, you have to diagnose sometimes what people want. Are they even looking for God? Mm -hmm. And if they're not, you know, then you're not necessarily going to get them in there, into the church or whatever. But if they are looking for God, I think lots of conversation and lots of dialogue with them about where they could possibly serve or encouraging them to try lots of things, mm -hmm. you know, other than worship, because unless you sing, but um, <laughs> encourage them to try lots of things because you never know. There may be things that people are good at that they've never tried. And unless they try something, you know, we, we've had people come to events. Um, we served at the, the high school once handing out Christmas presents. And mm -hmm. from that, uh, these people came to our church from that and they stayed for a while, you know? Uh, so, you know, whether it's um, serving outside the church at, a, at an extracurricular thing that we do, whether it's at the school or whatever, um, uh, my suggestion was research a church. You mm -hmm. know, research. If you're really searching for God and you want a church that is doing something for the community, do a little research. Look at their website. See what they're doing. And then you don't even have to set foot in our church. Come serve with us. Meet us as people. And then more often than not, you know, if they like us, they're going to come to our churches. Mm -hmm. That's my thought. Mm -hmm. uh, all, all good stuff. Well, we hope we made you um, think. I have a question. Uh -huh. Can we pray? I feel like the Lord's wanting us to pray out. Just pray this one out, and then you can do your little closing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah no, <laughs> um, I'm all for it. Yeah. Would you pray for us, or just pray for our listeners? Or Yeah, I'll pray for okay. them, and I guess I'll also just say thank you guys for the opportunity to speak and hopefully it happens again now that's on the podcast it's going to happen again. yeah 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 sure yeah, no uh so yeah let me pray and to pray for our listeners father we just thank you um right now we thank you for platforms like this where we can you know upload things to the internet people can listen um years later um or and right there on the spot on their phone on their computer and father thank you for every listener that uh, that hears uh what is spoken here father i pray for discernment. Um, don't just take our word for it. I pray that they will seek scripture, seek you. Um, and God, I pray that uh, if someone is looking for a church, if someone is looking for areas to step up, may those opportunities present themselves. If they need someone um, in their life that will disciple them, Father, I pray that you will send them a shepherd that will point them to the good shepherd. And Father, I thank you for this podcast that they uh, have been doing on a weekly basis. I thank you for the diligence, the dedication um, to present thoughts and ideas and um, tackle some things that most people don't maybe want to talk about. And Father, I pray that it stretches our thinking um, and expands um, our our area of influence. And uh, God, we just thank you again for all that you have done and will do. And pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for that, George. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to reach us, uh, you can reach me at uh, 4, the number 4, C.S. Lewis, L-U-I-S, at gmail.com, uh, facebook.com slash uh, wolf sheep pod matthew uh you can reach me at big fish ministry at gmail.com or you can go to my website it's my blog mattiewalk.com m-a-t-t-i-e walk.com george if they want to reach you yeah if you want to reach me you can email me at uh g Durling, which is d-i-r-l-i-n-g at illuminate church fl.com or uh, with Instagram, you can do at George Sterling. All right. Well, we hope we made you think. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll be back next week. From Luis Cavedo, Matthew Walker, George Sterling.
This is Wolf Sheet.